G'day and welcome to the podcast of Outpost Church in McLaren Vale. We hope you find this encouraging. Man, that song is rich. That song that we just sang just then. Riley, would you mind putting those lyrics back up again, please? Just for that first slide. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. They gave everything from heaven in Jesus coming to earth. Like, he is the ultimate. And he is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus. For my life is wholly bound to his. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing, all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Who would like to believe those lyrics more? I would. I'd like to believe those lyrics more. Who would like to live more like those lyrics were true? I certainly would. I'm reading my, perhaps my favorite book on prayer, again at the moment, and listening to it. It's called A Praying Life by Paul Miller. And he um, talks about going to see a prayer therapist. He's like, what if we were to go and see a prayer therapist? How would that play out? And it's likely to involve the sort of conversation that would go, you are so clever, sitting up, wow, Noah. Oh, never need your hands. That's very impressive. No hands required. We would be asked a question like, how's your relationship with your Heavenly Father? And we might answer something like, oh, I have complete access to God the Father through Jesus. And it is based not on my goodness, but on his utter, complete perfection. All my sin is washed away and I have this intimacy with the Father and it is non-stop. And then the prayer therapist might push a little bit further and just say, but what's it like to actually sit with your Father? What does it feel like as you pray? What does it feel like to be his child? You've just articulated absolutely beautifully sonship what it means to be a child of a living God, but what does it actually mean for you in the here and now? Yes, as we gather in a church building, yes, as we have our devotions, whatever, but throughout the day, those different moments, does that still ring true? Is it the case that we, he is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, Even one of those would be overwhelming. He is my joy, my righteousness, my freedom. Bring it on, Lord. That this would not just be words, would not just be a concept, but would be an actual reality. And I brought this tonight in case someone wants to borrow it, and I'm going to reference it a few times. But one of the things um, that 
he really encourages us to do is that we would be honest in our prayer life. We would be honest with God and even come to him like children and not just um, in the, the means of salvation where we come to him to receive salvation, but we would come to him as a child every single day. That we would be those kids who know that they are delighted in by their father and have such access to him. One of the things that I think prayer is intended to feel like is like a great meal with friends. As Bethany mentioned before, we've got these core behaviors which really matter to us as a church. We pray first, we practice hospitality, and we learn from Scripture. And I've known for a long time that there's a strong connection between learning from Scripture and praying first. And I guess I've been aware that there's a connection between praying and hospitality, but that's just come alive for me again in recent times. That prayer is intended to be something like what you experience in a good meal with good friends. Where it's great to celebrate the food, but what's even better than the food is that you just get to be together. There's good laughs, there's a depth to the conversation, and it is this sense of actually connecting with one another. I want to read a, a quote uh, from this particular book that I think is, is helpful. Many people struggle to pray because they are focusing on praying, not on God. Making prayer the center is like making conversation the center of a family mealtime. In prayer, focusing on the conversation is like trying to drive while looking at the windscreen instead of looking through the windscreen. It freezes us, making us unsure of where to go. Conversation is only the vehicle through which we experience one another. And prayer is only the vehicle through which we experience God. And prayer is intended to be the conversation where your life and your God meet. It's not the place where you bring the best version of yourself you know, we don't do it so much anymore, although today I'm probably dressed better than I normally am for a, a Sunday. But that whole Sunday best mentality, it isn't as prolific in this day and age, but in generations gone past, you had to dress your best before you come to church. But there's been a carryover in terms of we have to present something when we come to church. And we don't bring our true selves a lot of the time. And that's true of the church and it's true of our conversations with God. We need to bring our true self into community and we need to bring our true self to God. And there is an honouring um, that we, we do um, by preparing for things, you know, preparing to meet with others, preparing to meet with God but we still want to be true. We still want to be honest. Um, and it's really important. I want to talk through a few things um, today, just in, in terms of my own understanding of, I guess, of, of hospitality and, and what it means a little bit more when it comes to actually having this kind of fellowship with God. 
So it's throughout Scripture, this, this idea of having fellowship with him, of having an opportunity to receive his hospitality. Like we think of Psalm 23. Psalm 23, which starts off, The Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. And you have the initial bit, which is all about us as the sheep. And if I was a sheep, like him making me lie down in green pastures, how good. Him leading me beside quiet waters, him restoring my soul, him leading me in paths of righteousness, all amazing things. And then for me as a human being, to have him prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, like a banquet is set out before us. We receive his hospitality and you get to the end and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, his hospitality is for us and we see that in the scriptures. When Jesus uh, is, is talking to the final church, he gets through all of the um, other six churches that he speaks to in those letters in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3 and gets to the final church. And he says, here I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. Jesus offering to come in and eat with us. And sometimes that's used as a call for salvation. Like Jesus is standing there and knocking, but he's writing it to the church. He's writing it to people that have already said, yes, we want to follow you, Lord Jesus. And he's saying, here I stand and knock for us every single day there's an opportunity to open that door and to have a feast with King Jesus today is Christy and my 18th wedding anniversary and I just want to talk through a couple of moments where we've received hospitality and some of them were quite surprising uh, some of them are just me some of them are us but when we first got married we moved to Darwin pretty quick so we were married one Saturday the following Saturday we flew up to Darwin the following Monday was my first day in the classroom as a teacher and I had this beautiful lady um, Shirley Miss Shirley who was in her 60s and she just happened to be at the school for those two weeks. So we we're quite a young staff, and the 26-year-old that should have been in that reception class was off touring with her band, and then Miss Shirley comes in, literally. Uh, Miss Shirley comes in, and she has the class for two weeks, and after every day, and during the day sometimes, I'm just like going next door and getting, just drawing deep from the wisdom of Miss Shirley. Uh, there was at least one time where she took my class as well as her class, like all the kids, reception and year ones, and took them all out for an activity so that I could have some time and headspace just to do some planning. Um, but she was a wealth of knowledge when it came to teaching, and she was so generous to me. And I didn't have to pretend anything with her, uh, just a few little tweaks of things like behaviour management and curriculum and stuff that she helped me with. Um, but it was epic to have that help and it made the world of difference to the start of my teaching career being in darwin um, we actually had our first three kids while we we're living in darwin um, and we didn't have the help that we now do with grandparents around and, and so on but there was this one lady at our church and her name was mary had four kids of her own and her youngest child 
was just a little bit older than our eldest. And she, on one occasion, I think had a conversation with Christy about it, um, and then rocked up at our house with a bunch of cleaning gear, and she just got in and she cleaned. And then she came back and did that a few times. Um, and it was just such a, a gift for us. And it wasn't that, you know, we had to clean up for her first to come over. Like she was expecting a mess. She came prepared for a mess. And she was such a, a blessing to us. She saw us in our mess and she helped us with it. From Darwin, uh, we spent a bit of time back here in Adelaide uh, living down at the beach house in Goa that Ernie and Margot own. Um, and then we went off to, to Canada. Uh, we were there for about six months, and a friend of mine was getting married during our time in Canada. And so we incorporated that into our trip. And we'd had a couple of days staying just out of Vancouver when we first arrived. And then we flew across to Calgary. And from the airport, I actually went off for the Bucks party. And so Christy has a five-year-old, three-year-old, and one-year-old and takes them off to a stranger's house who had generously opened up their home. So it was a friend of the couple that were getting married. Um, and so we end up staying there. I'm out, you know, pretty late for the Bucks party, and Christy's there on her own. But they were so generous with us, and it was a safe place to land. And as it turned out, it was only there after a few days that the... Uh, jet lag really hit. We had some lag on our jet lag. And um, so it was some tough nights, but their hospita hospitality to us, their generosity was amazing and such a blessing. And then as we came back into Australia um, and we drove from Melbourne, we drove into, into Goa, I remember with our kids starting a chant. I don't know if, Charlotte, you remember what the chant was? What was it? It was Moffat's, Moffat's, but it started out as Goo-wa, Goo-wa, Goo-wa. So we'd been away for six months. We'd seen some amazing things and met some amazing people. We'd experienced hospitality in different places, but we were just so excited to be back home. Um, and home was a little bit fluid for us at that point because we'd left Darwin and we'd been at the beach house for six months and we're going back there and I think we're back there for about a month. Um, but as we're coming back in, it was Goo-wa first and then it was their cousin's. Moffitts, Moffitts, Moffitts. Um, and we came back in just knowing that we had a safe place to land. We were going to be with a family, with people that we could really be ourselves with, that had known us and accepted us. And what a joy to be able to come back and be with them once again. And these are all just little tiny hints about what prayer is intended to be like. I had the help of Shirley. We have the help of the Holy Spirit who is with us, who is infinitely wise. And the idea is that we're able to go to him for the help that we need. He also generously sends us people like Miss Shirley into our lives that we get to appreciate and benefit from. But when Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. He's not expecting us to be all dressed up nice. He's not expecting us to have it all together. He says, there's two requirements if you're going to come to me. 
weary, heavy burdened. And what will he do? He'll give us rest. When we are in need, we come to him. It's like how we don't get cleaned up in order to have a shower. We go to the shower to get clean. Shower is intended to make us clean. It's what God does, is he cleanses us. He actually restores us. That line from Psalm 23, he restores my soul. He puts us back together. And we need it. There are times that we're acutely aware of how much we need it. There's times that we think we don't. But we need the restoring work of the Father. And it's a beautiful thing as a dad to see, to see my kids and to see the way that they respond. And they love their mum. And they absolutely, they know that Christy loves them. And there's that beautiful connection there. And for someone, even a 16-year-old, you know, there's times we'll be in a conversation with someone else and she'll just butt in. And I'm like, you haven't learned this yet. But there's this assurance that she'll be heard and an assurance that we actually want to hear what she has to say. And with Eden again this afternoon, I'm sitting down with some food. I'm very popular with Eden whenever I have food. And maybe it says a bit about my snacking habits, but I sit down and suddenly whatever Eden's doing, I become very interesting. And she'll wander over to me and just sit in my lap. She's had many meals just sitting on my lap, some at the table, some on a couch, whatever. She'll just sit and happily graze away at whatever I've got. But there's no sense of like, oh, I don't know if Dad's going to be okay with that. <laughs> it doesn't cross her mind. She's not like, oh, how should I, what should I say? Should I say, please, Dad? No, no, she just sees it and she comes straight for me. There's a beautiful boldness that comes as a child who knows that they are loved. With the end of when Jesus introduces the Lord's Prayer in Luke chapter 11, there's, let's just go there. So if you've got a Bible with you, it's worth a look. Luke chapter 11. So tempting to go back further, but we're just going to start from verse 9. Luke chapter 11, verse 9. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And to the one who seeks, finds. Sorry, and the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We have this confidence that we can ask the father. That same confidence that Eden has in me should be a whole nother level with us, with God. I don't get compared very well. Like Jesus 
if you that are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He's recorded somewhere else as saying good gifts to those who ask him. Here it's specifically the Holy Spirit. We can have confidence that our God is good and has good things in store for us. But it's not for us to play games with him. It's not for us to try and impress him by putting on a show. You know, Jesus calls um, people out as hypocrites. You're being two-faced. You're pretending to be something that you're not. Just come as you are. We're not, we can't come any other way. There's a, a famous old hymn, Just As I Am. As I said earlier, this is not just about salvation. This is not just the moment we respond to that call for the first time. It's throughout our lives. Just as you are. Come as you are. Bring yourself. Prayer is intended to be the place where your life and your God meet. It's not just the place where your words and your God meet. It's not where your projection of where you want to be and your God meet. It's you. It's your life. You bring yourself to him. And it's with no fear. Like it's a vulnerable thing as a teacher, to can be, to show yourself as a needy teacher to others. You think about whatever profession you're in, there's a few teachers in the room. It can be a vulnerable thing to present your need to others. But it can strengthen a relationship really quick. It can be a vulnerable thing when you open up your house to someone else when you haven't cleaned it. But what a gift to have someone come in and help you where you have that need. And for us, we're called to not put on any pretense with our Heavenly Father. And there is a place for us with liturgies and you know, written prayers and things where we can just enjoy the depth of someone else's theology and their understanding. It's great to read from Scripture as well with our prayers. Um, and I guess one way of putting it is that for me personally, I've gained a lot from praying truth with a capital T. So praying what I know to be true based on Scripture. But I've also found a lot of fruit in praying truth with a lowercase t as in my own personal experience and just being real with God. And when I first read this particular book, the biggest thing that I got out of it was that I started just being so honest and transparent in my prayers and the classic was in the car. I'd be driving along and I'd be like, I don't want to do this. I'll just whinge and whine and just be an absolute sook in front of God. I'm like just feeling something and just go with it. I'm like, oh, not fair, or whatever it was. But just go with it and just be a whinger in front of my God. And it was interesting the way that things would shift over the course of that conversation. Or maybe it was more of a monologue. But I'm talking and I'm finding myself able to express stuff with a God who I don't think gets offended very easily. 
And I don't think he was surprised by any of the things that were coming out of my mouth. He's like, Shane, I had no idea. Like, of course he knows that stuff and he wants us to bring that. If that's a part of our life and it's a part of our thinking, it's like, let's get it out in the most constructive way possible and get it out with someone who's not then going to struggle to keep a straight face around us from then onwards. Um, But we get things out with him. And as I say that, I want to maybe take that back. Um, Because we are told to confess our sins to one another. And there is something very powerful about including other people and not saying, I'm only going to share this with God and I'm not going to tell anyone else about that. I don't want us to get into that space. Um, And as I said last week, we don't need to tell everyone everything, but there shouldn't ever be anything that we can't tell someone. But we can be absolutely transparent. In fact, I think we really need to be absolutely transparent with God. And there was this beautiful little moment. So we did an activation a few years ago when we were at a previous church. And it was a youth leaders, um, youth leaders training day. And someone was leading every one of us through this guided meditation. And it was really just visualizing Jesus. Visualize. And the idea was, you know, you wake up first thing in the morning and there's Jesus. And he's like, come with me. Did it a lot better than what I just did it just then. But it's just this, this thing of encountering Jesus. Um, and after we had gone through this process, there was a chance just to reflect back. Like, how did that go? What did you think? And this one person responded just saying, my first thought when Jesus said, let's go, was, I'm not ready. And she was thinking, I haven't had a chance to get myself ready for the day, get dressed and do whatever I need to do before I get out of the house, kind of a thing. But I think we often apply that to faith. And we're like, I'm not ready. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. I'm not there yet. One day... When I'm this super Christian, when I've got everything together, then I'm going to start doing whatever X is. But for each of us, we have a good, good father who loves us as we are and who calls us to himself now as we are, not getting ourselves ready first, just as we are in this moment. And he's like, let's go. Let's go. Take my hand and let's go. That's an invitation to every single one of us. And we get to experience him through prayer, just like we experience one another through conversation. We experience God through prayer. We get to know him through prayer. And I want to give us an opportunity to do a little guided meditation. So as we do this, I'm going to give five minutes before we have communion. And so I'll talk you through a pretty short guided meditation. And then it's your choice whether you want to stay in here um, or whether you want to go for a little walk. Like I said, it's only five minutes, so it's not a long period of time. But I want us just to be real with God. And sometimes... It's helpful for us to ask questions of him. 
Other times it's helpful for us to let him ask the questions and we give the responses. But let's take a few minutes just to respond to God. And it's really a case of just what's on your heart at the moment. Is anything causing you stress or anxiety? Then share that with him. And I usually encourage people to do this out loud, and I would encourage you to do this out loud. For today, if you're in this space, probably better just to do that in your head. If you want to head outside and do that out loud, feel very free. Or if it's helpful to take notes in your phone or somewhere else, then that's an option as well. Um, but let's, let's take a moment. Actually, one more thing I do want to say is just in terms of the scriptures, you know, Jesus does make it very clear that we are to have faith like a child. And that includes praying like a child would. Not holding back, not trying to find the niceties. You know, when I was talking about Eden before, let's make that connection in terms of when we come to him, we don't need to try and make it all sound pretty. It's just what's going on and we get it out to the God who's the best interpreter in the world. It doesn't have to make sense to anybody else. He will get it. He will understand it. There's this beautiful moment recorded in John chapter 1 when Nathaniel first hears about Jesus and his response, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Like he just slams Jesus' whole family and his whole circle. <laughs> Nazareth. What does Jesus say when Nathaniel is coming towards him? Here is a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Here's someone who says it as it is. But he said it in a much nicer way. He says it in such a complimentary way. Doesn't get stuck into him for absolutely caning his friends and family. He just calls out the good. In him, he celebrates us when we're real and authentic. Let's be real and authentic.